friends. Thank you for tuning in to the weekly City Church San Francisco podcast. Throughout the fall of 2020 on this podcast, we'll be taking a look through the Bible at what happened to people when things fell apart in their worlds, sort of like what many of us are experiencing right now. We're calling this fall series When Things Fall Apart because, well, things feel like they're falling apart. So let's talk about it. We invite you to lean into these stories each week to embrace the intersections where these ancient stories collide with our current collective world and our own personal lives. As always, we thank you for being a part of City Church Online through this podcast. And we invite you to join us live each Sunday at 10 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or Twitch. Thanks. The scripture reading today is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. Jesus said, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look, here's the bridegroom! Come out to meet him! Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You'd better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly, I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The word of the Lord. Between the words that are spoken and the words that are heard, may the Spirit of God be present. Amen. I am recording this message on Friday afternoon. I don't know what will have happened between then and Sunday morning, but I feel like I should just say that. This past week is such a blur. Uh, I spent most of it toggling between the 538, uh, Washington Post, PBS, MSNBC, and CNN watching John King play with his magical giant election board iPad. Oh my gosh. Uh, I, there's no telling how many hours I spent watching that man on his iPad. Uh, I don't know how you're feeling this, this morning, but um, I'm mainly, I think, overwhelmed with the sense of uh, just the reality of the division that exists in our country Um, and heartbroken really over the disparity of values that seems to exist, the the take on reality that differs in our country. It's a week where we saw uh, the daily COVID cases go over 100,000, daily deaths go over 1,000. I'm glad City Church has for a season been asking the question, uh, what do we do when things fall apart? And I'm gonna suggest 
that one of the things we need to be doing is in this one simple word, turn. We need to consciously, regularly turn to God. And to explain what I mean, I want to reflect on this story we've just heard from the teaching of Jesus about a wedding and, and 10 14-year-old girls. <laughs> the parable of the 10 bridesmaids. It's an odd story. People have been arguing about it for 2,000 years, and uh, I doubt I'm going to settle anything this morning. But I do think that's what I like about a good story, is we could keep thinking about what it might mean. Um, as you listen to it, it's important to say the word bridesmaids, or sometimes you'll see it translated virgins or young women, uh, they're not bridesmaids as we think of them, uh, you know, bestest friends wearing a dress they'll never wear again. Uh, they're just, they're young unmarried girls, maybe 13, 14 years old. The wedding is a, is a village-wide occasion, and the girls come, they wait with the bride, and as, as the groom's party approaches uh, to welcome him, uh, they light their lamps. Now, in, in the customs from uh, what I've been reading and what scholars say who research the culture of the time, um, the, these would be torches, probably sticks wrapped in rags that have been dipped in olive oil. And when, when the groom arrives, they would do a, a kind of torch dance. Uh, now, I don't know if you remember, do you remember weddings? Uh, so in weddings, we used to do that. We, we didn't do torch dances, but we did dance. It's just something a happy thing to think about. It's the only time I ever dance, actually. And I think there may be even one or two of you who've been present when Mrs. Sherman and I have done a Texas two-step. Perhaps it was at your wedding. But anyway, they dance. They light their torches. They do their torch dance. Uh, but in this, you know, good times. But but in this particular story, the groom doesn't arrive. They light their torches and um, they go out. And in fact, it's, it's like, uh, you know, movie plot crisis delayed. It's so long that the, the bridal party goes to sleep. Then there's a shout at midnight. He's coming. But crisis, their torches are burned. So you can imagine the OMG wedding's gonna start you guys, pressure for these young girls. So they trim their torches, they cut away the charred cloth wicks, and they pour on some more olive oil. But five of the girls, here called the foolish, <laughs> are not prepared. They didn't bring a flask of oil. So they say, quick, give us some of yours. And the wise girls say, no way. There won't be enough, and it will totally spoil the torch dance. Go get your own. Uh, they kind of sound more like mean girls than wise girls, but but anyway, the girls go to the girls who didn't prepare. They go to get their uh, their oil, and they wind up missing the groom, and missing the dance. And when they knock on the door, it's closed, and they're told, "I don't know you," and it's just a terrible night. And they wind up going home very sad. What is this about? Well, remember, this, this gospel, the, the gospel of Matthew, 
the writer, whoever the writer is, uh, is writing possibly 50 or more years after the time of Jesus's ministry. And there's a burning question that people are asking. Where is the Messiah? Uh, and what are we supposed to be doing while we, while we wait for his return? If you listen to the story, you probably, your imagination, you probably are thinking Jesus is probably the bridegroom in the parable that people are waiting on. And I think the wedding banquet, as in the teaching of Jesus and other places and other places in the New Testament, that's referring to God's promised future. Um, the fullness of the reign of God, or as, as Rowan Williams describes it, the fragile human world one day caught up into the endless glory of God, securely held in God's hands forever. The wedding, the banquet. Well, the first Christians expected that return and the implementation of that, that fullness and joy. They thought it was going to be imminent soon. And as time goes on, they start asking, what do we do while we wait? Matthew writes down answers with parables from Jesus. And in this one, he says, well, you need to make sure you have enough olive oil for your torch. What does that mean? And how does it help us? All right, I would like to take a stab. Now, did you notice that these girls are called um, wise and foolish? That's the same language Jesus uses in the Sermon on the Mount back in Matthew chapter seven about the wise person and the foolish person, one who, who built their house on a rock and the foolish person built their house on the sand. Uh, and when wind and rain uh, and storm came, you know, it was, it was bad news for the house on the sand. So wisdom, uh, you know, the house on the rock is living by the words of Jesus, listening to them and acting on them. The parable of bridesmaids, I think kind of has, it has a parallel, uh, but it's a little different. The 13th verse speaks of keeping awake or Perhaps even a better translation is, uh, be, be prepared, therefore, for you do not know the day or the hour of the bridegroom's coming. Keep awake. That is a little confusing, right? Because uh, all the bridesmaids, if you remember the story, they all went to sleep during the wedding delay. So that's not the problem. Uh, the problem is that the foolish girls were clueless about how to live in a world full of delays. Their default was, it's all good. They take no precautions. They aren't prepared. And they run out of fuel. The, the wise girls are, these young women are the ones who prepare for the long haul. Spiritually, I think it's getting at the idea of a, a kind of lifestyle of mindfulness and attention. Um, in this sense, having extra oil and building your house upon the rock are the same thing. It's about a, it's about a pattern of life, of thinking and acting that is not surprised by rain or flood or wind or on the house or in this parable by delay as you live life in a broken and uh, unpredictable world. It's about steady, active 
readiness, a life of turning to God in faith and hope. As I've been thinking about it this week, it's really struck me just uh, in a week where I've been incredibly anxious, haven't slept enough. I might have overeaten, maybe a little bit. Uh, I, I wonder what your week was like. Uh, but it gets at, I think, the important psychology of the Christian faith. Uh, that is, what I mean by that is, how it is, I think the gospel message gets inside you and it shapes your imagination and helps you frame reality and live. You take the story, the news, Jesus is God with us, fully human. And in that story, in his death, he's fully entered into the worst of human evil, injustice, and suffering. And, you know, here's the good news. Um, out of that, God brings the life of resurrection. Um, God brings it out of that darkest place. And it's that act of new creation that, you know, it really does. If that's true, it changes everything. But back to kind of Matthew's community and what they're coming to terms with, and us 2,000 years ago uh, later are really coming to terms with, is, yeah, but for it to change everything, for that new creation of the resurrection to change everything, it's going to take all of history. The work of uh, that God began, it's just going to take the time that it's going to take. Therefore, faith, Christian faith, is a choice, uh, an act of orienting ourselves towards the promise of that resurrection reality and choosing to live our lives in light of that promise. So keeping awake, being prepared. It's about this constant turning to God, uh, turning to the promise, knowing where to find the oil, the fuel of communion with God, of the Spirit's presence, or um, in St. Paul's words, walking in the Spirit, uh, being filled with the Spirit and bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Um, often, Jesus' teaching is directed to the community. I think this particular parable, though, it really has a focused application. Uh, a therapist might say, <laughs> a therapist, I, let's just say I might have heard a therapist at some point in my life say, uh, this is about some personal work that you need to do. Uh, this is about personal work. It's about your torch. It's saying, uh, I need to wake up. I can't live in this world and just coast on past spiritual experiences uh, or just have casual, you know, spiritual connections. I need oil. Um, this is why I think what we're doing here, gathering for worship, even on Zoom uh, with a recorded message, <laughs> it's why spiritual practices, listening to scripture, longing for the sacrament. It's why prayer, why spiritual conversations, opening your lives, opening our lives to one another. It's why it matters. Because in these acts, we turn to God, we pay attention, we trim our torch 
believing that Jesus came to be the oil for our lives, the, the oil for our discipleship. But why do we need this oil? It's so that we can shine a light in the relentless darkness now that we're living in. And we are living in some, uh, uh, yeah, the kids are listening, relentless darkness. <laughs> and to do that, you got to daily turn to God. You've got to use the imagination of faith to move past our nightmare towards God's dream for the world that we see in a foretaste in the resurrection promise of Jesus. You don't drift tepidly uh, towards, you know, the hope that the kingdom will come someday-ish. You have to curate a mindset of readiness toward whatever goodness, whatever opportunity God may be bringing your way. And friends, we have to name the powers that we're up against. Hatred and violence, bigotry and bias, self-interest and deceit. <laughs> oh, wow, that one's front of mind for some reason. Greed and the exploitation of the earth, the heartless plundering of the poor, on and on to name and engage the powers with love as we have opportunity. Believing that Jesus is at work to save us from the hells we make for ourselves and that the darkness is being overcome. The part about the parable that gives me the heebie-jeebies, I'm just gonna be honest with you, it's the closed door, the I don't know you. As I've said with it this week, I, I realize I really do need to hear that. Because you know what? Doors do close. Time does run out. I am 58 years old. And I have some regrets. I have some serious regrets. And a lot of them are because there are windows that have closed. You know, there's a window, it's open. There's a relationship that you can repair. Repair it today, not tomorrow, because tomorrow may not come. There's injustice that you can speak out against and do something about, do it today. Because tomorrow may be too late. An offense that you can forgive Forgive it today. Um, addiction that you need to get help for. Do it now, today. Opening your life to God. Don't think about doing that tomorrow. Do it today. Trim your lamp before the door closes. Do you know who... I think got the meaning of this story more powerfully than anyone that I've read or come across. Enslaved African Americans. It's subject. It's the subject of one of the most famous uh, spirituals. Maybe you know it or heard it or have heard it. Uh, Keep your lamps trimmed and burning. The most famous chorus is 
Keep your lamps trimmed and burning. Keep your lamps trimmed and burning. Keep your lamps trimmed and burning. For the time is drawing nigh. What did they mean? You know, in a sense, it's a work song, like most of the spirituals. But if you look at them, they are so much more. The spirituals are, they really are uh, gifts. They're works of religious genius. We're, we're denied uh, the voices, insight, and wisdom of people of color, particularly from the past. But this is one of the gifts that we have. Um, you know, for just a quick example, the prophet Jeremiah, in a moment of grief, when things have fallen apart for his nation, uh, he's overwhelmed by the disaster of captivity and exile and uh, to Babylon. And he asks in this moment of grief uh, in Jeremiah chapter eight, is there no balm in Gilead? That it, is there no healing medicine from our homeland for us? You know, he's asking a, a rhetorical question. Enslaved people, most, you know, non-literate people hear this read, this passage read to them by their oppressors. Um, and yet they can identify with that plight. And they actually answer the question with profound faith. Again, one of the most famous of the spirituals, there is a balm in Gilead to heal the wounded soul. You see the same uh, powerful faith here uh, in this spiritual of turning to God, uh, trimming your lamps because it's, the day is nigh. Uh, you, just imagine it. There's nowhere else to turn. Imagine it. You're laboring in, in utter uh, danger and oppression and they choose to sing this story to one another. Keep your lamps trimmed and burning. Be ready for freedom, for God's promised liberation. Be ready for action. The time is drawing nigh. Don't lose hope. And I'll close just with the wisdom of the final verses. They say, they sing, children, don't grow weary. The time is drawing nigh. And then, darker midnight lies before us. But the time is drawing nigh. Lo, the morning soon is breaking. The time is drawing nigh. Keep your lamps, your torches, trimmed and burning. For the time is drawing nigh. Amen.